Now, my question is, is the U.S. involved with any uh, procuring of weapons, transfer of weapons, buying, selling, anyhow, transferring weapons to Turkey out of Libya? To Turkey? I, I, I will have to take that question for the record. I, nobody's ever raised that with me. It's, I, been I a, it's been in news reports that ships have been leaving from Libya and that they may have weapons. And what I'd like to know is the annex that was close by, were they involved with procuring, buying, selling, obtaining weapons? And were any of these weapons being transferred to other countries, any countries, Turkey included? Well, Senator, you'll have to direct, direct that question to uh, the agency that uh, ran the annex. And I will, I will see what information is available. And uh, You're saying you don't know. I do not know. I don't have any information on that. And we got Moving on later into the war on terror under the Obama administration where Hillary was Secretary of State, we have an interesting exchange between Rand Paul and Hillary Clinton during the Benghazi hearings where Rand Paul asks Hillary Clinton uh, if she is familiar with any information regarding U.S. arms sales to Turkey. What is the significance of that question? Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't just arms sales to Turkey. We sell Turkey all kinds of stuff. What this was about was Libyan weapons being shipped from the Mujahideen war there onto Syria. And Hillary Clinton, of course, committed perjury and answered in a bald-faced lie to Rand Paul that, why, I'm sure I have no idea what you're talking about, Senator, which is a bunch of garbage. And I'm really glad you asked about this because, you know, I hear this all the time. Somebody actually, a friend of mine asked me last night about Benghazi. And whether that was a big deal or not, and I'm not really sure what to make of it. A friend of mine told me I saw a movie about it, so now I'm kind of angry, but I'm not sure who to be angry at. <laughs> well, here's the deal with Benghazi, okay? This is what Richard Nixon calls a modified limited hangout, okay? So a limited hangout, Keith, is when I stole your car and wrecked it, but I only admit to stealing it, okay? <laughs> so don't hate me for totaling it. Somebody else stole it from me, and they're the one who totaled it. I only stole the thing. Sorry, right? Okay, that's a limited hangout. A modified limited hangout is when I lie about the limited part of the story and in order to essentially confuse and distract you. So I stole your car, but I drove it west, not east. Now you're sitting here quibbling with me about which direction I took the thing when the real story is I wrapped it around a telephone pole and I'm trying to get away with that, right? So... In this case, the limited hangout is that these men should have had better security at their consulate in Benghazi. And uh, not only that, but the military and CIA assets in Tripoli and in Sicily should have immediately come to the rescue and didn't. And they didn't because Obama and Hillary let the guys down. Okay. So that much of it is true, mostly. There's not too much to quibble with there, right? Except that that's where the entire scandal stops. Oh, no, wait, I forgot. It doesn't, because it's not just a limited hangout. It's a modified limited hangout. So what they do? They lied about the cause of the limited little thing they're talking about. So this wasn't an Al-Qaeda bin Ladenite deliberately planned attack. No, this was a riot over a YouTube movie that insulted the prophet Muhammad. And then that riot got out of control and killed these guys. And this is what Susan Rice is famous for. 
She, Hillary Clinton, had a splitting headache that day and so wasn't available. And so Susan Rice did all five Sunday morning news shows where she came out and gave these talking points about it was a riot over a YouTube video that got out of hand. Right. So now that's it. Every last Republican in America is trapped inside the modified limited hangout. Our guys got killed. They didn't have good enough security. No one came to rescue them. And this stupid lady lied about what happened. Meanwhile, what's the real story? The real story is high treason. The real story is the Americans were backing bin Ladenite al-Qaeda terrorists, the Libyan veterans of Iraq War II, Zarqawi's guys, the Libyan part of the Islamic State of Iraq, al-Qaeda in Iraq. And they are known as the Libyan Islamic Fighting Group, primarily, and there's Ansar al-Sharia. The British had backed LIFG against Gaddafi back in the 1990s and then had backed off once the dawn of the terror war started. So now check this out, man. The year's 2011. The Arab Spring breaks out in Tunisia and Egypt. Riots break out in uh, Libya. Uh, really, war breaks out in Libya with armed factions in the east of the country uh, fighting Gaddafi. We still got troops in Iraq. Bush's troops are still in Iraq till the end of 2011. And what are they? They're embedded with the Shia fighting against what's left of al-Qaeda in Iraq, what's left of the bin Ladenite radicals of the Sunni insurgency. So the war on terrorism, uh, the terrorism the U.S. created in Iraq, but still, that war is still happening for another year. And bin Laden's still alive. Obama doesn't kill bin Laden till May. But he starts back in bin Laden's group in Libya starting in February. And March. And so it's treason. And by the time of the Benghazi attack of September 11th, 2012, the war's been over for a year, right? America succeeded in deposing Gaddafi. He was lynched on the side of the road. They shoved a bayonet, a bayonet up his backside and then shot him in the head on the side of the road. And then after a year of this, they decided immediately, this is the New York Times calls it, Hillary Clinton's bank shot. That was what the State Department called it. This will be our bank shot. Aren't we clever? And we'll take all the Mujahideen and the guns from the war in Libya and we'll send them on to the fight in Syria. That is why Christopher Stevens was in Benghazi, not Tripoli. Why weren't they at the embassy? Why were they at this makeshift consulate? is because it was a CIA op working with the Qataris to funnel terrorists and guns off to Syria. So then here comes the Sunday Times of London. Hey, look, a giant ship full of guns and terrorists is uh, unloading at the port of, I forget where, in Turkey. And a scuffle broke out on the dock between the Muslim Brotherhood and the local Al-Qaeda representatives over who's going to get the goods. And that's what Rand Paul was asking Hillary Clinton about, that she was pretending to know nothing about. This, this massive operation to extend high treason on behalf of bin Ladenites in Libya in 2011 onto Syria to continue the same policy. And we are skipping around, forgive me, Keith, but why? To get rid of Assad, why? This doesn't apply to Gaddafi so much. But to get rid of Assad? Because he's friends with Iran. 
And we really hate that. And why do we really hate that? Because now Baghdad is friends with Iran, too, because of George Bush putting their best friends in power there. So now that America has empowered Iran in Iraq, well, maybe we can take out their buddy in Damascus, Syria, as a consolation prize. See, and that was the reason. And they said so. I mean, Barack Obama said all this in an interview with Jeffrey Goldberg in The Atlantic, that Jeffrey Goldberg says, listen, if we could get rid of Assad, that'd be a great way to take Iran down a peg, don't you think? And Obama says, quote, absolutely. And that's exactly what we're doing. And that's why we're doing it. And Jeffrey Goldberg says, well, what more can you tell me about America's effort to get rid of Assad in Syria? And he says, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Goldberg. I can't tell you anymore because your clearance isn't high enough. Right. Yuck, yuck. I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. In other words, there's a massive CIA operation of the highest treason in the history of humanity going on right now as America backs Al Qaeda in Iraq, in Syria. So, yeah, I I remember that article. I think it's titled as President I Don't Bluff. That's Um, the one. So, okay, so Rand Paul is asking Hillary about weapons from Libya to Turkey to Syria, and in Syria, they are arming al-Qaeda, correct? That's right. And look, they hide behind. Who who are the arms coming from in Libya? Who has them in Libya? Is it just bin Laden? From Gaddafi's stores. That's from the looting of the prior regime and their their weapons stores. And this is with Erdogan's approval or knowledge? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And in fact, you know, as late as, say, 24, 14, maybe 2015. No, it would have been 2014, I guess. Um, Phil Giraldi, who is a CIA officer who had formerly been stationed in Turkey back during his CIA career and who goes there on vacation from time to time and this kind of thing. He told me on the show that he'd been in Ankara. Eh, I forget now if it was Ankara or Istanbul. Anyway, one of the other, the, the two biggest, most important cities in that country. And on the street, they're just out there raising money for ISIS. There's no shame whatsoever. Hoisting the black flag everywhere and people drop, you know, dropping currency and as they pass by and all this kind of thing. And the entire effort was just like a replication of the Afghan war in the 80s with Turkey serving in the role of Pakistan, where all of the Mujahideen come from around the world to Turkey. They fly into Turkey and then they cross the border from there to join the fight. And it was the same kind of thing and went on for years. And of course, I'm sure you're familiar with this. One of the best explanations of what happened from someone who knows good and well what happened is Joe Biden himself at Harvard University, where he says, of course, this isn't his fault or Obama's fault. This is all our allies. But he says, look, you know, they're not all moderates. What can I tell you? And it's our allies who are backing all of these extremist groups. And that's what led to the rise of the Islamic State, which is 100 percent correct. And which if you go back and look, all the people who were good on this and opposed, there were plenty of people who were good on this and opposed this all along. You know, um, the, the great American journalist, uh, Eric Margulies, I asked him uh, back, couldn't have been um, later than 2005 maybe 04, for the first time I asked him, you know, Eric Margulies, these neocons want to get rid of Assad so bad, but what the hell they think they're going to replace him with? I mean, as far as I understand, the second place most organized force in the country outside of the Baathist regime there would be the Muslim Brotherhood. 
If you got them, you'd be lucky. It might be after all this conflict in Iraq, you might get real ass bin Ladenites, right? And Eric Margulies is going, yeah. And Lou Rockwell is, yeah, these neocons want to overthrow the last regime in the region, the last uh, government in the region where you can get a drink. You know, they overthrew secular Iraq, secular Baathist Iraq, where women with no headscarf could teach college in blue jeans. And now they're going, and these are the anti-terrorists going after all the secular dictators, the ones we don't control. But the fact that they're secularists doesn't help. I mean, if you read um, David Wormser from A Clean Break and Coping with Crumbling States and his book, uh, Tyranny's Ally, which is essentially the book length version of A Clean Break, he says in there, oh, yeah, no, bin Ladenite Islamist fundamentalist terrorism is a, 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 you know, dawning concern here. But, oh, well, it's not like Baathism is the solution to that could never be. And so, but wait a minute, though. Baathism as a secular fascist state in the Arab world is essentially a westernized, that's like essentially German politics, right, in in the Middle East. So, no, it's not Thomas Jeffersonian democracy. But could the situation in Iraq have been improved upon from there while trying to retain a secular character for the state and trying to form you know, some kind of democratic government and, and regular elections and accountability without causing a massive civil war and all of this chaos? Sure. And of course, you may know this. I'm sure you do because you already know everything I tell you on the show. Um, the uh, the uh, New York Times has a piece from what the fall of 03 where James Risen um, talks all about how Richard Pearl went to London and met with representatives of Saddam Hussein's government, and they offered unconditional surrender on every single thing. They said, listen, we don't even know what the hell the war is about, honestly, but if this is about Israel, we'll switch sides, and we'll take the American position on Israel-Palestine starting right now, and we'll stop backing Hamas and sending money to Hamas and any of these things. If this is about oil, we're perfectly happy to negotiate mineral rights with Exxon or whoever you got, send them on over. If this is really about weapons, which we're pretty sure it couldn't possibly be, but anyway, if it is, feel free to send the army, the CIA, and the FBI to search wherever they want. Not UN inspectors. You send the FBI to search wherever they want, and we'll help you. And if, of all things, this has anything to do with democracy, then fine, we'll hold elections. Give us a couple of years to set it up. Send in your international monitors. Saddam Hussein was retired by this point anyway. His cabinet was in charge. He was essentially writing a romance novel and not taking the threat of American invasion seriously at all. That comes from his CIA interrogator. Yet he was essentially semi-retired, wanted no part of even governing Iraq anymore. So it was the Americans could have picked Uday or Kusay. Which one of you likes reading more? Okay, you're next. And they, they could have brought him in from the cold right there. The same thing with safe Gaddafi, Keith. Again, all other things being equal. I'm presuming the prerogatives of the empire to remake the world their way and whatever for the sake of argument you understand here. Safe Gaddafi was ready to kick the old man upstairs and institute real democratic reforms. He was a kind of guy who had a bunch of power coming to him, but was smart enough to know that you can't just run a medieval back dictatorship in North Africa forever and that 
Things have got to change around here. And so he was like an educated guy and an interested guy and had done, you know, he was what Hillary Clinton called Bashar al-Assad, a moderate reformer. Well, that's actually right. You know what? Bashar al-Assad is a hundred thousand times better, who is a murderous, secular, fascist dictator. He's a hundred thousand times better than Abu Muhammad al-Jalani, the leader of the Jabhat al-Nusra, which is now called Hayat Tahrir al-Sham over there, which is just al-Qaeda in Iraq and Syria. The one still loyal to the bin Ladenites, still loyal to Zawahiri, uh, rather than the ISIS guys who split off. But there's no question either that a dictatorship attempting reform under safe Gaddafi in Libya for the last nine years would have been a million percent better for the average person of any town in that in that country. And they've been at war this whole time, they've had horrible anti-black pogroms. The entire population of the town of Tawarga was wiped off the map. Women, you know, gang raped in their refugee camps. Human beings literally sold in chattel slave markets for $400. You can look it up on, you know, credible uh, news outlets from all around the world have covered the reinvention of private chattel slavery in Libya. Uh, unending civil war between the former CIA sock puppet Haftar versus the bin Ladenites, the Mujahideen led by Belhaj and the other Islamists, where now you have, I love this, currently the war is Haftar, who supposedly doesn't work for us anymore, now works for the Russians, but is also backed by our allies in Egypt and the United Arab Emirates. Whereas the Islamists in Tripoli, oh yeah, now it's the secularists are in the East and the Islamists are in the West, so that switched. Now that the Islamists control Turk, uh, Tripoli because we gave it to them, um, and the Islamists in, in Tripoli are backed by the U.S., Qatar, and Turkey because, of course, Qatar and Turkey are the big boosters of the Muslim Brotherhood in the region. There. And so this is absolute chaos that has come from these regime changes. And when there were options, I mean, again, look, um, the uh, – the Assad regime, for example, I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton had met with him. Nancy Pelosi had met with him. John Kerry had met with him. And if they meant what they said about we want to see democratic reform and an improvement in civil rights and liberties protections and all that, they could have pursued that and they could have had some real success. And look at what's happened instead. You know, you combine the Bush and Obama presidencies, you're talking right around 2 million dead. And the idea of regular elections and self-government and Western-style democracy is the most ridiculous thing in the world to bring up to anyone from Nigeria to Pakistan at this point. You've got to be kidding me. You know, what is, you know, I was just talking about this with Dan McAdams on my show about they're doing another color-coded revolution trying to overthrow the government in Belarus. And how can it be that democracy means when America's friends win or will kill you. And how can we, in the name of, of freedom and liberty and democracy and laissez-faire, we have a world empire with a fascist regulatory regime soaking in the blood of two million innocent civilians. I mean, this thing is crazy. And what is the average person in the world supposed to think about, you know, the libertarian future that you and I would like to see? with 
more and more and better self-government and liberty for every human in every country. You know, how far back has that whole process been set due to the reaction against all of the blood and all of the chaos wrecked by Bill Clinton and through right now? I don't want to exclude Donald Trump from this. He hadn't ended a single damn war yet for all his talk. In retrospect, do you believe that the United States should have acted earlier in Syria? And if not, why is now the right moment? No. It's working. Yeah, turn it's this one on, but I'll use this in the meantime. Is this working? There we go, okay. The answer is no for two reasons. One, the idea of identifying a moderate middle has been a, uh, a chase America has been engaged in for a long time. We Americans think in every country in transition, there's a Thomas Jefferson hiding beside hum, some rock or a James Madison beyond one sand dune. The fact of the matter is the ability to identify a moderate middle in, in Syria um, was uh, uh, there was no uh, moderate middle because the moderate middle are made up of shopkeepers, not soldiers. They're made up of people who, in fact, uh, have uh, ordinary elements of the middle class of that country. And what happened was, and uh, their hi history will record this because I'm finding that former administration officials, as soon as they leave, write books, which I think is inappropriate, but anyway, any um, <laughs> No, I'm serious, I do think it's inappropriate. At least, you know, give the guy a chance to get out of office. Um, uh, and uh, what, uh, what, what my constant cry was that our biggest problem is our allies. Our allies in the region were our largest problem in Syria. The Turks were great friends, and I have a great relationship with Erdogan, which I just spent a lot of time with. The Saudis the Emiratis, et cetera. What were they doing? They were so determined to take down Assad and essentially have a proxy Sunni-Shia war, what did they do? They poured hundreds of millions of dollars and tens, thousands of tons of weapons into anyone who would fight against Assad, except that the people who were being, who were being supplied were on Nusra, and Al-Qaeda and the extremist elements of jihadis coming from other parts of the world. Now you think I'm exaggerating, take a look. Where did all of this go? So now what's happening? All of a sudden, everybody's awakened because this uh, outfit called ISIL, which was Al-Qaeda in Iraq, which when they were essentially thrown out of Iraq, found open space and territory in, in western, excuse me, in eastern Syria, work with al-Nusra, who we declared a terrorist group early on, and we could not convince our colleagues to stop supplying them. So what happened? Now all of a sudden, I don't want to be too facetious, but uh, they have seen the Lord. Now we have, been, the president's been able to put together a coalition of our Sunni neighbors because America can't once again go in to a Muslim nation and be the aggressor. It has to be led by Sunnis to go and attack a Sunni organization. And so what do we have for the first time? Now Saudi Arabia has stopped the funding going in. 
Saudi Arabia is allowing training on its soil of American forces under Title X, open training. The Qataris have cut off their support for the most extreme elements of the terrorist organizations. And the Turks, President Erdogan told me, he's an old friend, said, you were right, we let too many people through. Now they're trying to seal their border. So this idea that somehow was within our power early on in this process, and there were a couple former members of the administration who were arguing we should give, quote, the opposition, which we couldn't identify as moderate, by the way, I'm serious about that, give them ground to air launch missiles. Can you imagine what would have happened if that had been done? Does anybody doubt they would have been in the hands of al-Nusra or al-Qaeda or Khorasan group or ISIL? There's a difference between, you know, it's good to be both tough and smart. They're, they're, they're a pair that's required. So now what's happened is everyone in the region has awakened. And now under U.S. leadership, the coalition has been put together and they're moving. You notice what Turkey did today. What Erdogan told me last Thursday he would do. Asked me not to say anything until it was voted on. They voted in the Turkish parliament to allow Turkish ground forces in to take on ISIL. Turkish airspace be able to be used by NATO and by other allies. Turkish airspace be able to accommodate our drones. So this idea that there was an option there is fiction. It did not exist. We could have poured, if we, if we could find every moderate we could find, and by the way, now it's public, we have been training moderate forces. But we've been very select in making sure who they were and vetting them. And now there are, the number is, is classified, but there are more than several thousand in country now, and there will be more. But it's absolute fiction to suggest that early on, if we had just acted more quickly, it took Saudi Arabia to figure out ISIL's objective wasn't Ramadi, it was Mecca and Medina. It took a while for the Iranians to realize the existential threat to Iran was a radical Sunni extremist terrorist group. It took a while for Turkey, a Sunni nation, to figure out that ISIL was a direct, immediate threat to their well-being. It took a little while for Russia to figure out that all those Chechens that are making their way to eastern Syria, going back to uh, uh, Chechnya, is not a good thing. So now we have a coalition but it's still going to be a hell of a long fight. A hell of a long fight, but it cannot be. Even if we wanted to, it cannot be our fight alone. This cannot be turned into a U.S. ground war against another Arab nation in the Middle East. Hope that answers your questions. <laughs> <laughs>
Syrian rebels fight Assad forces in new theater of war in Libya. Battle-hardened fighters have been recruited as mercenaries by Turkey and Russia to fight on both sides of the conflict, says the Times from the United Kingdom. The Syrian rebels of the Sultan Murad Brigade never had much luck fighting President Assad, nor later on in the multi-sided conflict did they manage to hold off the jihadists of al Qaeda. They may, however, have turned the tide on a war a thousand miles away on the other side of the Mediterranean. Syrians have been recruited as mercenaries to fight on both sides of the conflict in far away Libya, but unlike back home, it is the former rebels sent by Turkey to bolster the United Nations recognized government who are beating the Assad loyalists, fighting for the Russian backed warlord, Marshal Khalifa Haftar. Here is the Times from September of 2012. Syrian rebels squabble over weapons as biggest shipload arrives from Libya. A Libyan ship carrying the largest consignment of weapons for Syria since the uprising began has docked in Turkey, and most of its cargo is making its way to rebels on the front lines, the Times has learned. Among more than 400 tons of cargo the vassal was carrying were SAM-7 surface-to-air anti-aircraft missiles and rocket-propelled grenades, RPGs, which Syrian sources said could be a game-changer for the rebels. This is the largest single delivery of assistance to the rebel fighting units we have received, said Abu Muhammad, a member of the Free Syrian Army, FSA, who helped to move the shipment from warehouses to the border. These are things that could change the tide if they are used correctly. I find it very hard to believe that Hillary Clinton didn't know. In fact, she was the biggest cheerleader for sending these arms and redistributing these arms into Syrian rebels. And the reason why this is an important issue, many of the people who receive these arms are not friends of America. Many of them are linked to al-Qaeda, al-Nusra, and some of these weapons may well, may well have wound up in the hands of people who became ISIS. So this is no small fact. Whether she not she told the truth is a big deal, and some of the emails coming out of ben, about Benghazi indicate that maybe she did know a lot more about this arms trade than she let on. And I don't think our, our public officials should be allowed to come before congressional committees and lie. But it's also concerning because the big problem we face now with ISIS, did it have anything to do with Hillary Clinton arming people who either became ISIS or who were friends or allies of ISIS? Uh, you dropped the L word. Was she lying, Senator? Is that what you're saying? I think there's a very good chance because I think there's no way that Hillary Clinton did not know about this, her private email, so that she was the one supporting arming these people. And the other thing is, is that I think some of these arms are going through Qatar. And a lot of news reports are saying that Qatar was very indiscriminate in the way they distributed these arms. But there were actually weapons that have shown up in Afghanistan that were U.S. weapons used against us that came through Qatar. So I think we have to be very careful, and when we select a commander-in-chief, do we want a commander-in-chief who is so sloppy about who they give arms to that we're now at war again with ISIS that is using, they have a billion dollars of our Humvees, for goodness sakes, but really the question needs to be asked of Republicans and Democrats, was it a good idea to give people arms who were fighting alongside I ISIS? I understand the case you're making. I don't know if you're going to ask me about Libya or not, but just in case, in July of 2012, the Americans killed a Libyan al-Qaeda terrorist named Sheikh Yahya al-Libi in Pakistan. A Libyan al-Qaeda guy, a real-ass bin Ladenite in Pakistan, and they drone-bombed him to death. 
And you might remember that name, Al-Libi. Well, it just means from Libya. But actually, in this case, he was the brother of Sheikh Ibn Al-Libi, who Dick Cheney and the CIA and Hosni Mubarak tortured in 2002 into blaming Saddam Hussein for teaching Al-Qaeda how to hijack planes and make chemical weapons. Then they renditioned him home to Libya, where Gaddafi, who was then compliant and a pet of the Americans, murdered him in his prison cell, and they called it a suicide. Remember that? Well, by 2012, America had just taken al-Qaeda's side in the war in Libya. The Libyan Islamic Fighting Group and Ansar al-Sharia, and essentially the Libyan veterans of al-Qaeda in Iraq, from Iraq War II. The guys who, the foreign fighters who'd gone to fight against the Americans and the Shia in Iraq War II. Well, Obama turns around and takes their side in the war in 2011. They win the war. They lynch and murder Gaddafi. They take over the country, at least temporarily. It's now, you know, civil war unending since then. But in September, on September 11th, 2012, the Al-Qaeda guys take their revenge and murder Christopher Stevens and uh, the guys at the makeshift consulate there in the Benghazi massacre. And, of course, the CIA guys at the safe house down the road as well. And what was going on there? Just like Bill Clinton in the 90s. Well, geez, we're so surprised the Al-Qaeda guys would kill us after all we've done for them. We just fought this whole war for them against Gaddafi. And here we are. Why, is, why are they in Benghazi in the first place? Because they're shipping Mujahideen terrorists and, and Gaddafi's stolen weapons off to Syria for the next war on behalf of al-Qaeda against the Shiite aligned forces there. And so that's why they're even there. But left hand and right hand, it's one administration, but they're not coordinating this stuff. And nobody's saying, hey, might it be a problem? If we're murdering Libyan al-Qaeda guys in Pakistan at the same time we're backing Libyan al-Qaeda guys in Libya? Because guess what happened? Ayman al-Zawahiri himself put out a podcast saying, hey, Libyans, look what they did to Sheikh Yahya al-Libi, your guy, our loyal fighter here in Pakistan. But you know what? I heard that Americans have a makeshift consulate in Benghazi and September 11th is coming up. Mm -hmm. And so Zawahiri recommended this attack and they did it. And that was the true origin of the Benghazi attack was on one hand, they were in the middle. They were up to their necks in high treason, backing their enemies, the Al-Qaeda guys. While on the other hand, they were fighting against their enemies in Pakistan and by killing one of them inspired this revenge attack in Libya. So talk about I think we talked before about the limited hangout there in Benghazi where they blame the lack of security. But without talking about the real problem was that they were funneling all these guns and terrorists off to Syria. Well, this is the other side of it. The drone war in Pakistan that set off the whole thing. Heavens. So. Um